0: I'm singing my sorrow. I'm singing my rage. I'm singing this fear out, and I'll sing it over and over again.
1: Welcome to Change Making Women, the podcast for women who make a difference. With Siada Bade in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and Marianne Clements in London, in the UK. Welcome to Change Making Room and to a series of conversations when, where we're going to be talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. Today we have Immaculate with us and Immaculate is from Memprow and actually I'm going to invite you Immaculate just to introduce ourselves to you <laughs> and to your work at Memprow a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you very much,
0: Mary Ann. My name is Immaculate Mokasa, like has been mentioned by Mary Ann. And I work with an organization called MEPRO. In full, it is a mentoring and empowerment program for young women. This pro this this organization has existed since 2008 and the reason for for its establishment was to deal with the gross violations and exclusion of girls and young women especially in areas of leadership and uh, education but also to make sure that they are in an environment that is safe for them to attain their aspiration and so our desire is to see a society if we will ever live to see it (laughs) A society where girls and young women can freely claim their rights and achieve their aspirations in life. So we engage the girls directly, but we also engage the duty bearers uh, for them to understand why we are doing this, but also to enable us to deal with the root cause of um, this challenge, which we believe is patriarchy. Um, being the structural cause of violence, uh, exclusion, and discrimination of discrimination against women. So that's the kind of work we do. But we also, on top of that, contribute to the feminist movement. So the young girls and women we train, we also introduce them to to feminism. And if they are interested, which most of them are, they join the feminism, uh, the Uganda Feminist Forum. This is the kind of work we do, it's interesting, and we target girls who are out of school, child mothers, we target girls who are in schools, primary schools, secondary schools, and university, the fresh graduates, and we also work with women, because when you're dealing with gender-based violence, it's difficult to leave out the women, or even the mothers who, who, uh, who produce the children that we engage. We find that the challenges of the girls are almost similar to the challenges of the women, so that's that is memorable for you.
1: It'd be it be interesting, maybe also for people to hear like how many girls you've reached through your work, and, and maybe also how you how you engage them, like how what, what's it like when you when you when people start to work with you, when girls start working with you, or you start working with them. However you describe that, like what's the the way that that happens. Okay, so
0: um, uh, for the uh, girls who are in school, we introduce a program called Social Survival Skills Training. And within this, there are a lot of things, including um, uh, supporting them to realize their aspirations to aim higher than what they know. For example, you can find that a girl aims assist, it is the same subjects that can, that can help her move towards being a doctor, like to help them raise the Their aspirations are a bit higher, but then we also engage them in, uh, um, um, that's part of career development, we engage them in understanding their environment. We engage um, them in sexual reproductive health rights and appreciating their bodies. And this way it helps them to be able to say no to demands for sex from boys and men. We also engage the boys in the school to make sure that they protect the girls from harassment. And if it happens, they are able to report. We engage the teachers to make sure that the school environment is safe for girls and teachers do not use demeaning language to the girls because sometimes this is what keeps the girls away from attending some of the classes or going to school altogether. For example, in class, when a girl puts up a hand and the teacher says that, yes, a lady without brains it's already negative and sometimes it limits it limits the girls participation or if they comment anything about their bodies it limits their participation in school so we also ensure that the, the, we engage the school administration to ensure that the schools are safe for girls and they identify teachers, individuals and students who can respond to cases of violence and yeah, be able to refer or deal with them within the school such that the schools are safe for girls to, stay, to go to, stay in and perform well. Uh, we, in addition to that, after we have our program with the girls, we engage their parents so that they also understand their need to support the girls in their education and uh, achieving their aspirations. Then we also have monthly dialogues with the girls, and we call these mentoring girl dialogues. So we have the girls and some elders who can. Who share the challenges they share the challenges that they face and then we discuss ways of dealing with them and they always bring up the topics and these are related to real real life challenges that can limit girls or women's participation or achievement of their aspirations in life so these dialogues are always ongoing and uh, at the school before we leave we also form clubs some of them name them mempro clubs and these clubs and the trained girls also enroll other 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 students, and they are good for peer mentoring. And these are active clubs that can keep the conversation around around achieving their aspirations, protecting and uh, and promoting their rights. That's where the discussion continues. And uh, we found them really helpful in terms of getting many more girls and many more boys to understand the need to support the girls to stay in school, but also the girls becoming leaders and also being more confident. Uh, we also, yeah, on top of that, we when we have our we do we do follow-ups with the girls and with, with the schools and this has made this has made us learn from them what are the challenges what is it what is it that we can uh, engage more or learn and do better in terms of implementation of our programs so or supporting the girls the girls also join the mempro girls network we have a network of girls called the mempro girls network which also is a different Kind of uh, opportunity for them to learn more from each other, from other girls who are not with, within the school that we have engaged, and also learn from the fresh graduate graduates and those yeah, and learn from girls who are already working. For the girls who are out of school, these are you. These are mostly child mothers. Um, we find that they are girls who. They uh, become pregnant, get married or are forced into marriage, but they can't sustain a marriage. Most of the girls that we have on our program, they are back with their parents and the babies. So we engage them in uh, appreciating themselves. Appreci- uh, we engage them in appreciating their need to, to do something for their lives. For example, that an income generating activity or more to that for us, what we want if, to get them to get back to, to formal education. So we've had the girls do vocation training, and some have gone back to formal education, and um, you know, we are challenging the communities to end the vice of child marriage. And we are challenging the schools that if a girl becomes a beginner please allow her to come back to school and make sure that the environment is safe for her to stay in. There is no stigma, and the girls feel safe, and we realize. Uh, great great mileage in this program because we've we are seeing girls who are promoting who are talking to their sisters to stay away from pregnancy to stay away from peer pressures to and those who have become pregnant to go back to school and we've seen uh, we've seen them Perform well and get on with their lives, and those who are in business, they are able to feed their children, contribute to decision making within the homes and within the community, and we found this also powerful in a way. How
2: mm-hmm. bad or how how are the rules and the laws? Um, I mean, you you understand by now, Tanzania. Um, we had this the stun um, laws against girls going back to school. Soon as they get pregnant, and of course, there was a lot of uproar um, with that. How are the laws on your side?
0: So, so, previously, there was no law around, around that, but now in the air uh, strategy. For girls' education, there is a clause that they allow the girls to go back to school. But you see, here is the challenge. is that most of our laws, number one, are not put into implementation, but number two, the cultural practices, the cultural norms, they do not allow implementation of, of some of the laws. So for 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 most parts of Uganda, actually I would say for Uganda as a whole, once a girl, a girl gets pregnant, the norm would be either she's married off or if, or if the boy disappears or if the parents don't accept and they're not sure of the father of the baby, she stays with her parents. But it's like she becomes uh, an outcast. She's a bad example to the girls. They will also be, be, become pregnant. So this norm, this, these these norms are uh, built deeply into into our hearts, into our practices, and it also reflects in the schools. Because if this girl comes with a pregnancy, she's a bad example to others. So. All the schools, the the first instinct would be no coming back. And usually it takes a lot of in, interrogation and a lot of negotiation to even get one girl to go back after giving birth. Being there when she's pregnant is really like a no-go area. So it takes a lot of extra effort to deal with that mindset. There,
1: there, there's a big difference, isn't there, between like the law and then what people implement as well as exactly. you know, when you, yeah when you have like a negative law as well it just compounds the negative cultural practice I think like in the Tanzanian example it's become really difficult hasn't it Ziada for that to happen at all I think
2: yes it has um, although in terms of now implementation I'm not quite sure how strongly that has been implemented but You know how the communities always tend to take advantage once, you know, um, a leader says something, they tend to just uh, go ahead, you know, and uphold the the law one way or another. Of late, actually, I've seen um, campaigns uh, ongoing at the moment um, to advocate school children to stay home and not get pregnant. So that campaign is ongoing to make sure that they they keep safe and not get pregnant and go back to school i've had so many questions with regards to to that campaign but my question is it's it's usually if uh, if you're not teaching a girl child perhaps you know proper steps once they get to adolescent and they get you know sexually active on how if we're still hiding that in terms of you know giving that knowledge or that education earlier on i don't know how that's going to pan out um, in the future, once they are grown ups, and then you're, you know, you, we are advocating towards not getting pregnant. So it's been a conflicting, a conflicting
0: thought in my head. I don't know what's your take with that. Yeah, and that's what patriarchy is. Because personally, why I appreciate the work of Mapro and it has been annoying me from the time I was a young girl is that everybody is telling the girls not to get pregnant. And nobody's talking to the boys or the men to stop impregnating the girls. Absolutely.
1: So <laughs> there's so
2: much needs to go into it.
1: And I, and I think what I hear when I hear that there's campaigns saying that girls should avoid getting pregnant during the pandemic is like patriarchy conflating the risk of the pandemic, which is something, one thing, <laughs> so with, with this same thing around it's the girls' responsibility to not get pregnant. Now, I think right now, in the in the context of the of the pandemic, there's there's kind of mutual responsibility for all of us to think about how our actions impact others. But that yeah. that's not the same thing as telling girls not to get pregnant. They're they're like they're 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 it's patriarchy that enables them to be pushed together in a way that doesn't seem to like support a g- girls in any way, you know. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, um, since we're talking about, you know, the pandemic now in the current context of COVID nineteen, um what has been the impact of the pandemic in Uganda, you know, and particularly the people we work with and the, the communities around?
0: Yeah, so in, in Uganda we received our our first case in 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 Mar- on 21st March 2020. And um so so there have been a lot a number of steps that have been taken taken since ever, ever since that. Uh, at first where we the schools were locked, um, we are closed and the public transport was also stopped. Then later on we they were in a total lockdown. For for when the schools were locked, it was 32 days. Then in between, we got a total lockdown of 21 days. Now we're on one of 14, 14 days, hoping uh, or oh, we will have some lifting done next week. And uh, it the impact really has been bad, and not good on 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 the people that we work with. So I will talk um, one in terms of um, the. Of course, the actual lockdown itself, the girls, the students are out of school, and what that means is that they are vulnerable to, especially the girls we work with, they are vulnerable to child marriage or teenage pregnancy and gender-based violence. And also, all these reduce their likelihood of continuing education. That is our major, major worry. And uh, now that the parents are also not working, the majority of them are poor. The how we are questioning will the parents afford to take them back to school? So we we also in uh, the general picture we we've been, we have seen the the lack of food, lack of basic needs because the, most of the, of the people here, their they, saving, <laughs> saving habits are not that good. And then we also do not have, we do not have safety nets. So really the basic, the, there's a lack of basic needs and these children are locked up at home. For example, if a girl needs sanitary pads and there is no food in the house, of course the priority would be to meet the need for the food rather than the sanitary wear. Then we we also there's also lack of food basically because uh the push, the government uh said that they 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 will give food to two districts in central Uganda, that is Kampala and Wachiso district. So the rest of the districts uh, they have to fend for, for themselves. It doesn't matter whether you are in Anabani Center or you are not, but also within Kampala, they, so far. It is. We are in the fourth week. They've been able to distribute food to less than 50% of the number of people who were intended to receive food. And um, how that has also impacted some of the girls. I would say an example because uh, because the cost is it, the situation is dire in the families. We have some of the children who are on our program who are or the child mothers who were asked to take their babies back to their fathers. And what that means is that there will be psychosocial trauma for these girls because they'll be separated from their babies. But also as they take the babies to the fathers, there's also a likelihood of of violence. How do they take the children on on the way? What will happen because we're in a lockdown? And when they reach that end, what will happen? so those are the those are the challenges that we are b- battling with. We've also had cases of um a lack of lack of shelter. some some of the girls, even in the second this was, this was a case I will give one example of a case of a secondary school girl who is staying who was staying with her sister here in Kampala and now during the lockdown because the husband of the sister was staying al- around for a long time and i think she was seeing this girl the husband hit on on the on on the girl so when the girl reported to her sister the sister thought that uh uh-uh, uh if you, my young sister, stay around, we will cause problems to my family. So my, my dear sister, move out. So she chased away the girl and the girl had to live with a friend, to live in a friend's room, but she had no means of survival at all. And this, this girl is being supported by our, our, our counselor. But we are also looking for ways to make to meet her her basic needs, and we can't meet needs for older girls. So there are many people who are suffering who do not have shelter. We also have we have have those who have made it a choice because they have to make ends meet. For example, the presidential address there, it was said that everybody should be under lockdown. If the market women have to continue working, they will have to stay. At the market, people who are on construction sites they have to stay at the construction site. So you can guess who who is staying in the market. And so these women are staying in the uh, staying in the market. They do not have proper 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 shelter and the the nets. And so there is exposure to diseases for these women and we've also had cases where women send women who are working in the market they send motorcycle riders to take food to their homesteads and we've had cases of these motorcycle riders abusing the children of the women who are at the market working we have also had challenges of access to health the first 21 days the president um, issued an order that if one if someone needed to go to the health center they have to get authorization from the residential district district commissioner and this person sits at the district and the districts are wide so for people to go and line up to get authorization to go to the hospital if they are sick, that was a challenge in a way. And many pregnant women could not access the medical services. But right now, she he did a bit in the uh, last week when he said that the pregnant women can now go to the hospitals. But during that time, many lives were lost. And even this time, if the pregnant women can go to, can go to the hospital, but the rest of the people who have like non-communicable diseases, people who have the, who are like sicklers, who have the hereditary diseases that need to constant visit to the hospital, we risk death of many people. So people, we are risking death for people not because of COVID, because apparently we have not lost anybody due to COVID, but we are losing people due to hunger, lack of access to health care, and those other limitations um, that are limiting people's movements.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like, um, Imaka, that, case, that you, you're trying to do the best you can to where possible help meet the basic needs of the people that you're working with does that mean your approach your work has had to change drastically in response I guess what I'm hearing is it's really in response to the lockdown rather than the pandemic itself which sounds like it's not taken hold in Uganda in the same way that it has in many countries in Europe
0: uh, so yeah, why, what we what we are what we are doing because if somebody tells you that I do not I do not have food now, <laughs> you yeah. have to 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 try to meet that food for that need for today, yeah. but again it's not sustainable. But what we are trying to do is to expand our our networks and also like get well, like uh, get in in touch with other organizations that supply that that can give supplies for now. We have contacted one of our donors, especially for the child mothers, mm-hmm. to try to and ask for money to meet the practical needs of the girls because if, whereas for them they have the, sh- the the shelter for now, but they do not have money the where these child mothers are located they it's near the border with the more democratic repub- republic of Kong. Oh. And this uh, means to go to those to those markets in Kong or at the borderline. So now all those markets are closed. So we've made, uh, we've made, uh, we've submitted. Uh, we talked to one of our donors, and she allowed us. They allowed us to submit uh, a proposal to to basically meet the practical needs for the girls during this season.
1: Yeah, yeah. it sounds like that that, that 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 that's the only, you know, that that's a necessary way to respond. And I just wonder, like, in the longer yeah. term, do you think there'll be long term impact? I mean, even if you do, you do get a relaxing of the lockdown, and obviously, none of us know whether the pandemic will spread further in countries like Uganda. But um, like, do, you, do you think there'll be long term impacts from what's happened so far? On uh, It sounds like, you know, there's already been impacts on people's lives because, you know, as you already said, But do you think there'll be a longer term impact on how you work as a result of the pandemic?
0: Yes, yes, there will be long-term long-term impact. Um, let me use uh, there's that there, I was reading the United Nations Population Fund projections or their outlook on the pandemic, and they say that they say that this pandemic could result into 13 million more child mothers over the next decade. You know, <laughs> like I I was saying. Uh, do you know, child marriage in itself is both a cause and consequence of poor education attainment. And if, this, uh, yeah, and if these girls are not, edu- are not educated, of course, the, you, the, 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 the risks for violence also to escalate are there. Even now, the one thing I did not talk about is that the rates of domestic violence have greatly increased in Uganda. And this is one thing that we had, that 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 the, our leaders had not thought about. Because when they are talking about who should be given permission to to move, the president, in his own words, said that the people who need to go to the hospital. And they said these like these cases of domestic violence, they are not priority for now. Yet the rates of domestic violence have really really increased, and they closed one of the of the lines that people that the girls would call to to be able to be helped in case of violence it's called sauti I know the the other knows what that means they had closed it and given a public notice that this line is closed until when the pandemic is over and so we had to uh, together with the other CSOs we had to ask and when do we know and this is the time we need it so after three weeks into the lockdown they they opened the line and then also police gave some lines to for response to 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 the to, to uh, GBV, gender-based violence so the girls ladies, who will, all the women who will experience violence during this period, th- there will be a longer term impact, trust me Mary Ann and also these girls that we are working with, we see that the challenges are going to be more so there is the, the, the long, the, there will be a big time, long term impact of COVID on the women on the female compared to the males I would say that is just,
2: uh, you know, unbelievable. I think one of the things that I would say, maybe you've seen it in Uganda and I've seen it in, in Tanzania, I, I don't know about you, Miriam, is the fact that um, it's the predictions of these other domesticated affairs that half of the time, I think we, um, as our, I would say as our government and as our leaders, they kind of overlook them. You know, before you know it, it, it it's never a priority until it's a priority. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's a very, it's a scary fact if you think about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say we also have a rise in, we also have a rise in domestic violence here as a result of the lockdown and, and this whole question. I mean, they've said that you can leave your house to stay safe, that that's one of the, but they didn't make that one of the like things on all their communications, you know? It was kind of like an afterthought, like when people pointed out that actually you should be allowed to leave your house if you're fleeing violence. And so, yeah, for sure it was an afterthought and for sure it's been that there's been an impact on rates of domestic violence here also. So it seems to be a problem everywhere. If you can find people in their homes, then you just put them in, you know, many people who aren't safe in their homes at more risk.
0: But I think also one other last thing, maybe on a good note, one other lasting impact that it has on us is that now you know that IT and internet has been underscored. (laughs) we really
1: have to learn new ways of working and also invest in technology i would say that right right and and the the things that we can do you know it seems so much more important now right (laughs) yeah
2: so um how do you then at mempro support staff and help you know helping them look after themselves both in general and also perhaps also specifically at this time um how do you give out that
0: support it's it's mostly you know we do not meet but we meet virtually <laughs> we have our um, weekly meetings, our regular check-in on each other and how how we are doing like if somebody goes out like right now my other colleague is on a radio station to, talking about the agenda effect so after the meeting we call her are you back are you home safely and so we try to check in on each other we also have uh, our our uh, uh, in-house counselor and uh, but this person of course deals with people who are mostly beneficiaries but we also have an external counselor who supports the stuff. So we, we call her whenever we need psychosocial support and we also keep on we share links and trying to check on each other whether with these links that help people for their emotional uh, well-being and uh, yeah physical wellness so we usually share links so that people they after overseating, they're able to <laughs> make sure they are physically well but also for emotional emotional wellness with their their links that we shared and we check on each other have you participated today so that's the best that we are doing and the weekly meetings have really helpful people really share yeah, what is what is challenging them at home and really i would say the regular check-in so we'll num- we also make sure that people have data so that they can communicate and we keep on hoping you know every every two weeks we are hoping that we'll get back to work <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that's so interesting to hear immaculate because uh I think here in the UK a lot of us are really nervous about going back to work because we've had such a you know we've had such an epidemic here I'm sure you've read and yeah. seen news as well. And so here, there's there's a lot of questioning of what some some changes to the lockdown that have been happening that, that are happening this week. There's a lot of critique of them, and people are saying, you know, it's not safe for us to go back to work yet. So it's mm-hmm. really interesting for you, to hear you saying um, you're you really want to get back to work. And I just wonder, like, when you go back to work, do you think you're like put in place measures to try and. Um, to 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 have like social distancing in the office or stuff or does that not feel necessary in the context of the the extent of the the the, the pandemic itself in Uganda
0: so what we are what we are, procuring are, the, are the masks and also ensuring, so we also have, we are also to have a discussion about gloves, <laughs> uh-huh. so, so the masks, we agreed that, uh, that pre- the procurement is happening right now. We are going to have a discussion about the gloves and also the interesting thing is that right now in our Kampala office, we have a few staff and we know that the, when the lockdown is lifted, not all of us will come back at the, mm-hmm. same, at, at, at the same time. So we'll be discussing, discussing who will be in office today who will be there tomorrow
1: that is our plan so, so just thinking about what you can do as safely as possible but kind of getting back to work and when you are at work what, what other things do you do at Mount yes, crowd to support one another
0: <laughs> what uh <clears throat> what we've been discussing really is um and that what we've been trying to do is to make sure that people are emotionally well so we just check on each other's energy levels and um i think that uh, after when the lockdown is lifted what we will do when we get back to office that is i think subject to discussion but what we've been good at is to check on the energy levels for each other and uh, yeah supporting each other to make sure that they they perform at, 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 at their best mm-hmm. yeah and uh, our our spacing at office is for me when i look at the social distancing it is perfect <laughs> It is perfect, but I'm I'm just thinking about now if we need to meet, I would. We keep on with online meetings. What will be happening? (laughs) No, that's what I. That's what I I was thinking. But we usually have team discussions on these issues, so I know definitely before we get back into office, we'll have we'll hold that discussion on this. Yeah,
1: for sure. I know, like my. uh, It's it's a funny thing to feel like what I'm feeling at the moment, which is like kind of a bit apprehensive about doing things with people again and at the same time there's this part of me just really misses just being able to be in a room with people shake yeah. hands with people hug people I don't know just exactly. of, <laughs>
2: okay. for me it's just uh, it's nice to see people actually face to face uh, in flesh <laughs>
0: yeah it is good and usually you have to your instincts would be like shake hands and then you'll have to say oh no I, I can't <laughs> Yeah, I think it's going to take some
2: time before we can you know, all go back to the normal way of doing things, like shaking hands and giving each other hugs and whatnot. I <laughs>
1: know, and it just seems crazy. Like, I, I was in the same room as both of you, like, I just counted, like, four months ago, right? And now, <laughs> not on the same day, I know, but when they came to to Uganda and Tanzania earlier in the year and like we were just in the same room and it seems like such a world away now that we've been two months in lockdown and the only people I've been in a room with are my husband and my son (laughs) (laughs) and I miss people <laughs> I know. Yeah.
2: Um, so at the moment, uh, you're not doing anything on ground, like you
0: know, visitations and. I know. So what's happening that some staff, some of our staff members, like in one of our districts that we are work, the staff is on, members of is part is a member of that district task force. So and uh, this this particular member of staff has protective gear, but she but they are called on if they they need to deliver a message to the given community on 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 loudspeakers how to keep safe free from COVID. But now for her part is to add there that the parents should make sure that the children are safe and in case of any case of violence they should call us. So we also have the same messaging on radio stations up country and uh and and also one other stuff like the one who is on the radio station first she moves to the radio station because it's within her locality. She can walk there
1: it's okay, so interesting to hear how you're responding and also to really hear um more about the the kind of the the unintended i'm going to call them unintended impacts of lockdown um which you know it seems to me a really really serious and something that um i hope that you'll get you'll get some lifting of your lockdown so that, that that things can can improve a bit there so thanks so much for your time today Michael. thank you to miriam for this thank program so and i wish you all the best thank so you. We meet
0: again. We <laughs> the best. people keep safe and healthy
1: yeah all of you yes. take care And our theme tune over and over was written and performed by Eleanor Brown, who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com.